Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers Jihei Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Monday? I mean, I'm not going to front. This, this The weekend was terrible. This day is terrible. I'm still in uh, recovery and in shock right now because of the Duke North Carolina game. So I think it's going to be a, a minute until I'm in a better mood. <laughs> That's really? understandable. Jihei. I, I would have hoped that LeBron would have cheered you up with the 56 points, but I guess not. I mean, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I was watching that Duke North Carolina game uh, with Jihei in mind. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but as our money bucket said, we have a lot to get into today. So let's get into today's headlines brought to you by Circa Sports. All right, let's get into it. The Lakers season was on life support after the All-Star break. They had lost four straight games and 11 of 14 games to fall to eight games below 500 and nearly out of the play-in tournament. But on Saturday, Arash, the Lakers beat the Golden State Warriors 124 to 116 thanks to LeBron James scoring 56 points. Could this be a turning point for the Lakers season? I never thought that going into this weekend that I would say, yes, the Lakers season did have a turning point, that if there is a light at the end of the tunnel, because listen, when when you're eight games below 500, when, you're, when you've lost four games from the All-Star break, four straight games, 11 of 14, you just touched on these uh, crazy stats, Jay, 12 of 14 or, or whatnot. Um, it's, it, their season was done. I mean, at, at that point, I'm thinking, you know, can they even make the play-in tournament? And even if they make the play-in tournament as the 10th seed, they got to go on the road to New Orleans to play the Pelicans, who defeated the Lakers by 28 points. What chance do they have? But I think LeBron James gave you that glimpse, gave you gave you that hope that he can still go for 56 points. He is still when he wants to be, perhaps, if not the best player in the world, one of the top two or three. So when you have a player like that, you do have a chance. And this is a very good Warriors team. You know, that that, that team has Steph Curry. That team has Klay Thompson. That that team, in my view, is still the team to beat coming from the Western Conference. So if 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 you have LeBron who can still play like that, yes, this could be, could be. You've got to preface this with could be because you don't know. They could still, you know, drop a drop an egg in the next game and, 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 you know, we're still talking about them perhaps not even making the play in tournament. But LeBron James this weekend showed you that when he wants to be, he can still be the best player in the world. And if they get that LeBron James, not that he's going to score 56 on the regular, they can still make the play in tournament. They can still win that. And who knows what happens when you get to the postseason? I love the optimism and I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) I think that, you know, it was a great performance, but I can't ignore the fact of what we saw leading up to that performance. The Lakers basically gave up before the Warriors game. They were done like they were dead in the water. And I don't think that changes things. But with that being said, their schedule is a little bit easier now and they have to keep it up this week. San Antonio and Houston are must win games. Yeah. I mean, 
I agree, Armand. It's just, it's too little too late, I think, at this point. And I mean, if you make it to the play-in, then God bless you. Good on you. But I just don't, I think this is giving fans a little false hope, a little false positive, as, as they would say, right? A little false hope. So I definitely, uh, like you said, Arash, the Bronze not going to score 56 every single game. And that's probably maybe what's necessary in order to... Um, to make this play-in tournament. All right, we've talked about how LeBron will be 38 years old this year, going into his 20th season, and how this could be the end of his Lakers run. But after watching him score 56 points, including 10 boards against the Warriors, is this really the end? How much longer do you think LeBron plays? Here's the thing. I think LeBron has so much respect and admiration for Tom Brady, the way he's carried himself, the way he's taking care of his body. Not saying that he's going to play until he's 45 years old, But the fact of the matter is this guy going into his 38th year and his 20th season, he is still dropping 56 points. So I I do think it's not that of the realm of possibility that LeBron James plays, you know, at least two, three, four more years. Again, he has said that he wants to play with his son, Bronny. I do think that there is a scenario where he changes that goal, where he wants to go head to head with his son, where they want to, you know, share the court and, you know, he's going up against his son. I'm still not quite sure of this idea that I'm going to, you know, leave the team that I'm currently on, join my son on a minimum contract, let's just say, just so we could be teammates. But I do think when you look at the way LeBron James is playing, not out of the realm of possibility that he plays, you know, three, four more seasons. And again, when you look at what Tom Brady has done, when you look at the advancement in technology and the way that players to take care of themselves, 38 is old, but not out of the realm of possibility that the LeBron James plays a few more seasons. I'm not betting against LeBron at all when it comes to longevity because you nailed it, Arash. I think that when it comes to taking care of your body, LeBron is the poster poster athlete for what it means. I mean, if Tom Brady set the standard, I think LeBron is going to smash that standard. Now, obviously, knock on wood because you never know what could happen. But again, 56 points the other night. The man looks like he is still very much in the prime of his basketball career. Yeah, I mean, you know, sky's the limit for LeBron, uh, the way that he's taking care of his body, the way he has taken care of his body. So if he wants to play, I'm sure that he still can. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to uh, play till he's 45, right? For him to play till he's, I mean, I'm not going to say 50, but like he can, he can definitely, uh, he's turning back the sands of time, so to speak, for uh, his playing career. So if if he plays past 45 god bless him you know if he plays past 40 god bless him so no i mean here's the thing yeah i mean so here's the thing he is 37 years old right now i think the question is you know does he play a few more years i mean i i i don't think he plays till he's 45 he's no. 37 he'll be 38 in december so listen i i i I put 45 out there because that's how old Tom Brady is. He's not playing until he's 45. But when, when you when you put up a 56-point game in a season where people are talking about, you know, how bad the Lakers are playing and things like that, LeBron James is not the reason that the Lakers are struggling. He is having an amazing year. And that that's why, that if they make the postseason, and I'm not saying that they're going to go on some kind of a crazy run here, but LeBron James is still capable of dropping 56 points. So kudos to him. Not playing until he's 45 or anything like that. But he's 37. 
would not be shocked till he he plays till he's like 41, 42 years old. All right. The Clippers looked like they had turned the corner recently, winning five straight games and seven of eight before they were blown out Sunday by the New York Knicks, 116 to 93. The Knicks, however, had lost seven straight games going into Sunday. Does this make you rethink your thoughts on the Clippers? Not really. I mean, here's the thing. You know, I was really happy that the Clippers were, were playing like a team. We're on this kind of uh, run here. But we touched on this uh, during the show Friday. Again, they had a blowout win over the Lakers. My view of that team is if they don't have Kawhi, if they don't have Paul George, they're making the playoffs. They're not winning the first round. I don't have the Clippers beating the Suns. Obviously, I don't have them beating the Warriors. I do think that they have this sort of, uh, you know, characteristic of that same team that had Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell, where they could push a top seed to six games, maybe perhaps even a seven games uh, series. But uh, no, it doesn't change how I view them because I never had them going past the first round. So you're going to have nights like this. Uh, really hate to see them drop, drop a, a dud like that to the Knicks, who are not a very good team. But it doesn't make me change my view on them. I still think that they're a playoff team. I don't view them without Kawhi, without Paul George. I don't think that they can get past the first round. I'm with you. I think that it is a bad sign to, to lose to a team that had lost seven in a row. But this Clippers team, every time you want to count them out, if you want to count them out, they're going to bounce back. They have a ton of heart as we've been over and they have a ton of chemistry. Nights like this happen when you're missing arguably your three best players when you include Norman Powell. But this team will be just fine in terms of competitive spirit. And honestly, still, if they get those guys healthy and we don't know what's going on, they can still win the Western Conference. It's still in the realm of possibility. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think that they'll win the Western Conference, but I definitely um, do agree they will make the playoffs. This might be a first round um, and done kind of a team. Um, But you're right, Armand. They are a... Just when you want to count them out, they, they will come and bounce back. So the, as we've seen over and over and over again with this team, um, never count them out because, you know, they have more heart, I think, than I've ever seen any other Clipper um, team right now, or at least in my lifetime. This is probably the hardest working, more heartfelt Clipper team that I've ever seen um, a- as a Clipper fan. Well, Coach K coached his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and I cried. I'm not going to lie. I bawled um, on Saturday, but Duke was upset by rival North Carolina 94 to 81. Duke won that first game against Carolina, and it was recently reported that folks inside the program bristled that the Tar Heels didn't honor Shashevsky uh, during his final game at the Dean Dome. They didn't, by the way. Do you think North Carolina should have done something to honor Coach K? I think so. Listen, I mean, uh, the, they, it's a heated rivalry. We get that. But when uh, Coach K is leaving, uh, retiring from college basketball, you do something. You have a moment of where you show a video highlight. I mean, you, you have to do something. I mean, and that's just common courtesy. I mean, we're not talking about a player here. We're talking about Coach K. When you talk about the uh, history and why North Carolina basketball, the uh, basketball in that state is what it is. It's that rivalry, that UNC-Duke rivalry. And so um, it would have been classy to, to to do something. I'm sure they're taking a lot of pride in the fact that they did not. And I'm sure they're taking a lot of pride in the fact that they beat Coach K in his final game at Cameron. But, um, you know, listen, I do think, and GA can touch on this more, some losses can spur a team. And as Coach K said, the season is not done. 
he was very upset. He had all of his, so many of his former players there. And for them to have that kind of performance against UNC, not acceptable, as Coach K said, not acceptable. I do think, hopefully for Duke, that this can lead to them maybe going on a run here going into the tournament. Yeah, this was extremely disappointing considering that Duke is far is by far the better team. The um, North Carolina basically played small ball the whole entire time, and they just dominated them. They just just sucked the life out of out of Duke. Um, also, Paolo Bancaro wasn't hitting anything in the second half. Uh, didn't make any sense for Mark Williams to come out. Uh, needless to say, I was not happy with this game. I thought it was terrible. Um, but yeah, to uh, to your point for this headline, Arash, a hundred percent, they should have done something, um, especially considering what Carolina and Duke um, basketball means. It's just it's ridiculous. It's it's like sliding. You're sliding a Hall of Famer. You're sliding somebody that you know has made it so that you hate this program so much more. So that's, it was ridiculous that they didn't even do anything. And on top of it, not only did they not do anything, didn't present him with a plaque or didn't do a highlight reel or anything. When they went to Chapel Hill, they actually um, dedicated a street to their former coach that game. So by doing that, that's even more disrespectful, I think. I think it's great that they did that for their former coach. But to do this on Coach K's last game ever in Chapel Hill was just so disrespectful. It was just so such a slap in the face to what that Carolina and it shouldn't shock me because because tar holes are tar holes and they're just not <laughs> like you know they they don't have respect they don't have class and i'm uh, like you just basically proved yourself and you showed your colors and you showed your face your real face so it, it, this is what duke fans i think should normally be used to but it still makes me mad all right moving on to uh soccer which we don't normally talk about on the show, but the LA Galaxy defeated Charlotte uh, Football Club, the Charlotte Football Club, in front of 75,000 fans on Saturday in North Carolina. It was Charlotte FC's first game and the largest crowd in MLS history. What does this say about the state of the MLS and the state of soccer in the U.S.? You know, Gia, we, we were just talking about the Duke-UNC game. The fact that really this game tipped off, I mean, the, the, the uh, soccer match began around the same time or around halftime of the UNC-Duke game. So you're talking about 75,000 people in North Carolina showing up for a soccer match. Extremely impressive. As you just mentioned, the largest crowd in Major League Soccer history. The Galaxy won. Kudos to the Galaxy. Amazing goal there. one nothing game. Um, but this makes me feel really good. We know soccer is the world's game, the world's most popular sport. We obviously love it here in Los Angeles. But it's so cool to see 70 plus thousand in Georgia, in North Carolina, in places that you would not normally think would be soccer hotbeds. So, but you know, in particular, 75,000 in North Carolina during a UNC Duke game, and not just any UNC Duke game, as we like, like we talked about, Coach K's final game. So, extremely impressive. A big day, a big night for soccer here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even know about the 75,000 in attendance. That is an incredible number when you think about it. And I don't know what the cause of this is. I don't know if people are souring on the NBA and maybe on hockey. 
But regardless, what it means for soccer going forward in this country, hopefully it means that we can actually make it to like the final four of a World Cup because we desperately need to do something to change the atmosphere of soccer in this country. There is no reason why the USA with all of our infrastructure should be that bad on a world stage in soccer. Yeah, 100%. I mean, kudos for those fans for showing up. I will say this. um, Yes, Duke played North Carolina, but not everybody can go to that game. That is a pricey ticket. Um, You know, you're paying $8,500 for a ticket, right? So it's definitely, uh, I'm sure that MLS makes it a little bit more accessible to go to that game. And there's more seats. Um, Cameron Indoor only has like, you know. No, well. (laughs) <laughs> but it's great. But it's yeah, so well, great. No, I, I mean, like, I'm just saying, you would normally be watching that game at home. Yeah, yeah. but again, but it's still great fandom. I'm not, I'm not discounting yeah. the 75,000 people and the 75,000 fans that were in, um, in Charlotte watching that game uh, live. So I'm, I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying that yeah. you know, it's it's not an easy ticket to get uh, Duke, North Carolina, and on top of it, it's not an easy ticket. Um, financially to get as well uh so kudos to them for doing it i hope it i hope it kills it for the um uh for soccer i I hope it just makes it better right um the nhl unveiled a new logo for the stanley cup guys for the first time in 13 years it's a silver and black logo that looked like it had a king's theme an la king's theme is that a good omen for the king's uh, who actually have won nine of 12 games. Uh, they're second in the Pacific division and just fourth back on the top spot. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Kings are playing tremendously well right now. And we have to remember that when the Kings have won their two Stanley cups in 2012 and 2014, they were not a top seed. In fact, in uh, 2012, when they won the first cup, they were the eighth seed. They got into the postseason on the last day of the season. So I really do like this Kings team. I, I, I think, you know, if they get good, good goaltend, which goes without saying. I mean, you're not going to have a long playoff run without that. You know, this Kings team could really do some damage. And, and again, we, we do need to get Luke Robitaille back on the show uh, because he told us at the beginning of the season, this was the team that was going to be a part of the turnaround. They had a rebuilding process. They had a Stanley Cup a championship team from 2012 to 2014. And then they had a rebuilding process. Well, this is the culmination of that rebuilding process. And they do have a, 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 a team that, that fights plays well, gets good goaltending. There's a few players from those Stanley Cup teams that you still remember. They still got Jonathan Quick. They still got uh, Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty. So there's like a a handful of players still from that Stanley Cup team. But Jihei, I mean, you, you well know that there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs when the Kings are in it here in Manhattan Beach because, you know, 99 of these guys, 99% of these players live here in the South Bay. Yeah, no, the, it's it's a phenomenal atmosphere, right? It's a phenomenal atmosphere. It's, you know, kudos to them and, the, and also the rest of this team too, right? Um, we did hear from Robitaille early um, on in the season about how the young kids are going to step up and man, they are... They are showing up. So uh, I hope that this is a good omen. (laughs) I don't know if it will be, but I really, really hope it is. I do love the fact that they're finally changing something for the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that, like, uh, the Stanley Cup is awesome, especially when you win it um, and you actually see, like, the fruits of your labor and then they come here to Manhattan Beach to celebrate. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, And I'm glad that they're on this run. But uh, I'm just glad that, you know, hockey's kind of changing with the times because... 
it's definitely a, a sport that I think that everybody should watch and enjoy. It's just so fun to even go to a game or to um, to watch on TV. And the Stanley Cup is definitely no exception. That's hands down probably my second favorite um, playoffs to watch. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And by the way, hey buckets, if there's no Lakers, if there's no Clippers, if they're if they're done, like either in the play-in tournament or in the postseason. Los Angeles will just have the Kings. There's no baseball right now. So maybe for a moment in time, it's just the Kings. So we'll see. That's we'll exactly see. what I was about to yeah. ask is, yeah. will the Kings be the deepest team to make an LA I, run? Yeah, and I'm I guess, say, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the way that the Kings are playing right now, I don't think the Lakers make it past the first round. I don't think the Clippers make it past the first round. So could be all about the Kings. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will talk more about the Lakers and that big win against the Warriors when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. As we touched on in the first segment, the Lakers perhaps may have had a season-altering, season-changing game. Not only did they beat the Golden State Warriors, but LeBron James dropped 56 points 10 boards, one of uh, you know his best games of the season. And so instead of bringing someone on to talk about the show on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, I thought we'd have LeBron James on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. Let's now hear from LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Frank Vogel following what really could be, in my view, a game that changed, changes the tra- trajectory of the Lakers season. Let's now hear from LeBron James. LeBron, in the first half, you passed Carl Malone on a stat that isn't a stat, but most combined playoff minutes and regular season minutes, so second all-time. And then on that night, you happen to, you also scored 56 points. Just wonder, wonder what that says to you about kind of the longevity and then but still having peaks like this. Um, well, it says I've, <laughs> I've played in a lot of games, and I've, I've logged a, a lot of minutes in, in, the, in my 19-year career. And, um, and then on the contrary, I've been able to uh, – you know, sustain my level of play. You know, um, you know, continue uh, continues to just try to break um, any narration of a guy at this age and this uh, number of seasons on his uh, productivity, and just try to go out there and just continue to make plays. Like I said after the last game, you know, uh, guys asked me if I could uh, ever look at it, see if I can do more. I, I was trying to put that that pressure on me and see ways I can do more for this ball club, and you know trying to figure out ways for us to get wins. So, LeBron, you had some pretty good timing uh, with an episode of The Shop that came out yesterday. I'll read you a quote. You said, uh, when they talk about the best scorers of all time, they never mention my name, and it ticks you off. Uh, you come out and score 56. Uh, how is that 
entered into your your mind over the course of your career? The numbers speak for themselves, but just the way your game has been perceived. Um, because it's never been a number one option for me. Um, you know, I came into this league understanding what team basketball is all about and the um, and the importance of the pass, uh, the importance of your teammates. Uh, feeling comfortable on the floor, everyone feeling trying to be in a rhythm, and I was just brought up that way. Uh, my little league coaches always just taught us the, the right way to play the game of basketball. Um, <clears throat> you know, the word ball hog was something that we despised of, and we, we never let creep into our, our none of our, our ball club, our, our ball clubs. We would was just something that we never wanted to do, and um, and I guess it just stuck with me, man. I've always loved the success of my teammates, um, scoring off a pass of mine or. Or even a hockey assist where we can get the ball moving from side to side, and um, but also knew that I didn't. I also knew I wanted to be a, a triple threat as well to be able to score, um, you know, at all levels of the game, you know, to keep defenses, um, you know, at bay, so they can't just, you know, expect for me to pass all the time. Um, and if you can do both, um, it, it just it really keeps the defense, um, you know. They don't quite know what to, what to do at, at times, and tonight was one of those moments where I, I just had it going. LeBron, we've asked you about different milestones and stuff like that throughout the course of this year, and the answers generally been the same, which is like if it doesn't happen in a win, sort of, it, it just means a lot less. Um, for this group, kind of knowing how badly it needed a win, too, uh, how special was it for you? Um, to help provide that, uh, what do you think it can do for this group? <laughs> it's and funny. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's funny. It was our, our our guys were following me off the floor tonight, going into the locker room. I asked me, "How does it feel to score 56?" I said, I, "Right now, I don't give a damn about the 56. I'm just happy we got a win." I, that's just literally the first thing that came to my mind, um, you know. And we needed, you know, pretty much all of them, you know, going against a team that just. Is, so explosive offensively, um, you know, at, at any moment, you know, just like in the second quarter, I could put 40 on the quarter, you know, and, uh, but like I said, I was just, um, felt pretty good with my game tonight, you know, every, every point, every part of the floor, and, um, you know, like I said, I was able to make a couple of plays to help us win. Hey, LeBron, how would you compare the level of pain that you're playing through to be still productive compared to these past few seasons? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really, really think about it too much. I mean, I feel it from time to time. Um, well, not from time to time. I feel it. But at the end of the day, if I'm on the floor, I, I, have, a, I have a job to do. Um, you know, if it gets to a point where I feel like it's hurting me in the long run, then I shouldn't be out there. But if I'm suiting up, um, then I have a job to do to go out and be productive. I and mean, that's what it all boils down to. Hey, Bron. Um, obviously, what you did tonight was incredible, but I think what goes under the radar a lot is just on a consistent night, you've, what you've been doing has just been unprecedented, unprecedented at your age. What goes into taking care of your body right now? Uh, I mean, the number one thing is sleep, uh, rest. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I'll, obviously, I'll be able to sleep better tonight than I've done in, over the last few games. Uh, that's just human nature of having, you know, your mind racing and racing and racing and racing on what can you do to help a team get a win, and, you know, figuring out ways you can be better. But, <clears throat> um, you know, I get a optimal sleep, 
Um, and then in between days, I try to get a nap in as well, a couple of hours, but also just always, you know, in the treatment room, in the cold tubs, icing down, stretching, <clears throat> um, eating right, putting the right food in my body, the, the right uh, fuel to, you know, to be able to play a game less than 48 hours later, you know, and that's what's been going on. We've been playing every other day, and we got another one on Monday. So, um, you know, just trying to stay above the curve, and I'm always trying to be um, proactive and not reactive in anything that I do as far as, um, you know, what I do before, before a game. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't see what I do, but, I, I mean, I get to the arena five hours before the game to start prepping, you know, and, um, you know, both mentally, physically, spiritually, everything. So when I get on the floor, I just just let it go. Well, I mean, you got to have growth mindset. And in this league, I mean, it's changed um, probably three or four different times on how teams play since I entered in 03. Um, it's been paint dominant. Um, when I first came in, it was a lot of big fellas, a lot of bigs that you just throw the ball in the post um, and, and watch them work. Um, and then, you know, a few years down the line, it became uh, more of a lot of just passing, cutting, um, things of that nature. And then a few years later, it became very pick-and-roll heavy. And then Steph entered the league, and it became three-ball, three-ball, three-ball. Um, and you got to be able to <clears> – excuse me, you got to be able to adjust, man. And if you cannot have a growth mindset on how you can find ways to get better with the time, then you'll get left behind. And I'm one to – um, not only I'm not saying that I've changed my game um, in any way I've always just wanted to be able to have a game that fits any style of play or any era um, I feel like my game will fit any era in basketball history uh, from the time um, the great James Naismith created it so um, you know, as long as I'm in this league if the game changes again and I'm still in it hopefully you know, I'll be able to continue to have that growth mindset where I can continue to adapt Russ, just wanted to get your perspective on LeBron's uh, 56 and kind of how you saw that building and, and what the key was for you in, in supporting that and supplementing as you could. Yeah, man, when uh, he has it going like that, um, you know, uh, there is really nobody on their team can do anything with him uh, tonight. And tonight he, put, he, he forced his will and had his hands um, on, on the game at all levels. Um, and it was really big, especially for games like this where we needed to win. Russ, we saw you move off ball to receive um, some passes off the cut and score at the hoop. We saw you get into the lane, use pump fakes uh, in order to finish at the hoop. Um, are those examples of, of some tweaks and adjustments that you've looked to make in order to um, up your productivity? Um, yeah, just trying to find ways to be active and um, stay involved. Um, that's about it. Russ, there was a play in, in the fourth quarter when I think Malik had a three rattling and out, and you kind of came back and you found him in the backcourt real quick and just had a, a quick moment with him. And then I think the next play, your baseline, and, and you were able to find him, he hits a, a, a really big shot. Um, what did you say to him in that, in that little bit, in that, in that moment, and I guess just as a teammate, uh, to, see, to see that kind of immediate result? Be ready for the next one um, because you're going to be open again. Um, and it was 
that short lived and uh, exactly the next position he left open, he was wide open. Is there, is, I'm sorry to follow up. Is there, is there been a lot of that kind of encouragement um, within this group over this last 10 games or so where, where it's re- It doesn't stop. It never stops. Um, it's always huge. You, know, you keep encouraging others around you. Um, that is the way you'd be able to help others regardless of what you have going on. You find ways to uplift uh, people around you. and That's something I strongly believe in. So um, it's definitely something that I've continued to do and always have done um, in the past. Hey, Russ. Um, I asked Frank this, and I want to ask you too. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of drama this season, but do you think one thing that's gotten lost in the narrative is what LeBron's doing at age 37? I mean, for him to be performing at this level, do you think that's talked about enough? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. I'm, you know, not privy to kind of what's talked about, what's not. Uh, but I do know just being around daily, seeing him um, be locked in and, and playing at a level that a lot of people um, don't really expect him to play at, at his age. And um, to see it firsthand, it's, um, you know, it's a, something that I can learn from as I continue to get older in this league and find ways to be able to um, be effective um, and not just that. Um, you know, he's one of the best of all time, and he's showing exactly why he's at. And year after year, he keeps proving you know, other people wrong. That's something that you could learn from. Like, what have you seen him do, like, to be able to perform like that at this age? Like, he always talks about his body and his mind. Like, yeah, what I mean, is- just I think just him. You know, he had some injuries this year, kind of put him in and out of rhythm from time to time. But he's done a good job of just sticking with um, his his work, his craft, and um, you know, using it uh, to his advantage each and every night. You, you said um, Thursday, season's not over yet. You're pretty defiant about it. Um, and, and you guys have talked a lot about belief. Is is it important just to have it reinforced f- for you guys to, to, to see it, to get a result, to to kind of remind you that, yeah, this isn't just a hope. Like, this is something that can actually happen. Um, I, I never was a hope. I, I know that the season ain't over. I know we have a chance. So win, lose, or draw, my Attitude and demeanor stays the same. Hey, Russ. Um, what does a win like this mean against a team like that? This that did jump in the season. Say it again. What does a win like this against a team like that did jump in the season? You got going forward. Um, it's a good win for us, especially at home. Uh, we've been struggling, especially to get a win here. Um, I know they've been struggling as well. So, um, good win for us. Um, uh, you know, especially. I'm at the crib, but we need a one badly. Um, so hopefully we can build off this and move forward. Hey, Frank, how do you put LeBron's 56-point performance uh, into context just with the, the way the season's gone, and especially the last couple of weeks, and, and what stood out to you the most about his play tonight? Well, there's, no, there's really no words for it. Um, an incredible performance uh, by the best, best to ever do it, in my opinion, and I've, I've said. Um, it's just remarkable his will, and I, I think uh, you know the, the the biggest thing is like what he's done to transition his game to this stage of his career in terms of his shooting. You know, I mean, it's just an example for for every player um, to put the work in to his craft, and um, you know, to go six for eleven from three and twelve for thirteen from the three point line, and still have you know the power you know to attack the basket the way he has and the stamina. Uh, just a it's just remarkable, you know, to be doing at this stage of his career. And, um, you know, we're shifting as a team. 
you know, so we, we saw early on, the first time we lost Anthony, you know, that what he was capable of if we open up the lane and, um, you know, give, the, give him the ability to, to, to beat teams over the top, but also have the paint open to attack the basket and uh, to become a roller. The other phase of, you know, the adjustment for him, you know, this stage of his career is being a roller. And, um, you know, he, he's made all those adjustments and, man, he's just, uh, he gets the game ball if we did game balls. Um, Hell of a performance. Do you notice anything in particular uh, in that fourth quarter, especially when he's hitting three after three and just demeanor-wise, or was it kind of business as usual with LeBron? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he puts in the work, you know, to beat beat people over the top. You know, they know they got to load up the paint on him, so uh, they're going to take that away. He's made the transition at this point in his career to, uh, to be a guy that, you know, can be a, a laser from deep. And... Um, you know, he beat him over the top today. He beat him in every way tonight. But his his will, you know, that's that's the thing. Like his his will and determination to to say, hey, you know, we're going to get off this losing streak and we're going to change the momentum of our team. Frank, I want you guys to be able to live in the moment, uh, so not look too far ahead. Um, I'm just wondering what this feels like. Uh, you know, you snap the four game losing streak. You just LeBron has told us in the last week or so. Like, I mean, it's just to get one to begin with. So what's that feeling like? And then. Did you have any sense this was coming out of him? I mean, he's been been averaging around 30 a game, you know, so, um, you know, we know that, uh, you know, he's going to give us that much. And when you play with an open paint, you know, this team's struggling to defend right now. Uh, you know, there was a real possibility that, you know, with the rolls to the basket, the drives to the basket, um, what he's doing, shooting the basketball, that there was there's always a chance for this. And, uh you know, it feels like early in the season when the first time we lost Anthony, I think we lost five in a row. And, uh, you know, we were in adjustment phase and we're trying to trying to figure it out and, and find some footing. And, you know, hopefully this uh, this is this is the win, you know, that, that changes that momentum. Frank, in the in the first quarter, I think LeBron gets fouled right in front of you and he bends over and he's like trying to shake feeling into his arm is there a moment i mean like it does feel like everything has sort of gone wrong uh, is it, what's what's in your mindset in that like split second you have to call a timeout to get him off the court so he can yeah get back just, to shoot the free throw yeah it just looked like he had some type of stinger that, that just needed a a little bit of time to you know get the feeling back um but whatever happened there you know helped him shoot the basketball the rest of the night hey frank um <clears throat> obviously there have been a lot of ups and downs this season, uh, more downs than you guys would have liked. Do you think what's gotten lost in the narrative to a certain extent is just like how brilliant LeBron has consistently performed? 100%. You know, they, somebody asked me last game, like, what have been the bright spots? Has it been any bright spots of the season? And it's been him. You know, him and Melo performing the way they're performing uh, at this stage in their career. And, um, you know, that our group has not separated and we have not cracked. You know, I mean, we, we have faced more adversity and more bad nights or tough nights than any team I've been, been a part of. But, you know, he leads us. You know, he leads us with his consistent demeanor of trying to get better with the growth, growth mindset every day and um, keeping the group together. And, um, you know, obviously what he did tonight was spectacular. Hey, Frank, on that note, how, do you, how have you seen uh, LeBron handle team dynamics this season compared to the last two years? Not really different. I mean, we won a lot more the last two years. You know, so there hasn't been as much adversity. The adversity we faced last year was with him and AD out for two months. You know, and then trying to come back and, 
you know, catch our footing before he had really had his legs under him and whatnot. Um, you know, losing this year has been hard on all of us. Uh, so to see him absorb that and uh, and keep our keep our lead our lead our team to keep them together, it's, it's been awesome. Well, I like the combination of Malik Monk and Austin Reeves out there together. You know, that's that's something that uh, we had seen more in second units uh, throughout throughout the uh, the season, but it's been a, a combination that. Our analytics team has, uh, said has, has really produced. You know, those guys have been some of our best on-off stats, plus-minus stats, and those types of things. And um, we decided a couple games ago to look at it and start in lineup. And even though we hadn't won yet, uh, those guys are performing at a at a high level, and we're plus 22 on the floor together tonight. Um, you know, going into a game against Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, saying we're going to put Malik and Austin on him, <laughs> gave me a little bit of anxiety. I'm going to be honest. But those guys really, really competed and um, executed our plan and were able to get the W. Yeah, trustworthy. Yeah, such a good feel for the game. And obviously, like, like you said, carries the threat of, uh, of shooting the basketball. You have to guard him out there, and he can hit big shots. Um, but his passing, you know, is, is probably the biggest thing that I like about DJ is, you know, his, his, his mind, his ability to quarterback the team. And, you know, his read action, and I think he hit uh, Braun a couple times on rolls to the basket tonight, once in the first, once in the, in the second. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to help us. We're really excited to get him. All right, that was LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Frank Vogel following the Lakers' big win over the Golden State Warriors on Saturday. I know it's just one win, but it's really significant not only to beat the Golden State Warriors in the way that they did, but LeBron James having the game that he did, showing that if he wants to, he can still be the best player in the world. And if you have the best player in the world, you get Anthony Davis back, you get Russell Westbrook maybe changing the way he plays, maybe coming off the bench. Listen, I may be the last man to think this, but I still think that this team has a shot to make some noise. All right, let's leave it there for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.